Welcome to the Cowie Baptist Church podcast. To learn more about Cowie, including in our gathering times, visit us online at cowie.church. Enjoy the message. Amen, amen. Good morning, church. Man, what a beautiful song and just the truths that are declared uh, in Christ alone. Our hope is found, right? From life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands our destiny. Do you believe that this morning, that, that he is sovereign over all and that in the midst of uh, even the, the difficult times in life that he is with us, that we are uh, called according to his purpose, according to his grace, according to his mercy, uh, that we uh, have been saved, uh, that we are on mission uh, for the glory of his name uh, together. We've been in a series. If you're a guest with us this morning, we are so grateful that you are here with us. If you're uh, connected in our online campus this morning, whether through uh, Facebook or church online, uh, we welcome you. We're so grateful uh, that you are worshiping with us this morning. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love for any of you uh, that can to take an opportunity, uh, whether you're in the room or online, just to share uh, this stream with others so that we can connect in today. Uh, we're going to be continuing uh, in a, a series called In the Wild, and we've been going through this for a season, and we started out with this reality that we're to find north, and we're going to talk a bit about that, but just this thought that when we're in the midst of the wild, that we want to get our bearings straight, right? We want to understand who our God is. We uh, talked about how God is great and that he is good. Uh, we talked about our purpose and, and his plan for us in the midst of this broken world. We looked at this reality that we have an enemy. We talked about surviving in the wild, and, and we recognize that this enemy that we have, right, when we look around in our culture, it appears that it's one another, but I want to remind you that our enemy is Satan. The scripture says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. We have a spiritual battle that we are in, and in the midst of this spiritual battle, uh, we read uh, that the thief, uh, that Satan, who is a liar, right, that the thief comes not but to steal, kill, and to destroy, John 10, 10. But there's good news in the midst of that. And today we shift into another part in this series. And we're going to talk about what it looks like to thrive in the wild. We're going to begin to look at what it looks like. And God's called his people and his church to thrive in the midst of brokenness, to thrive in the midst of this crazy world that we live in, not simply to survive. And we saw that shift as we were walking through Ephesians 6. We saw that there's this spiritual armor that we put on and we find the shield of faith, right? And we saw this thought that it was a plural, uh, that, 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 that as Paul was sharing this, that he was speaking to the church. And there was this picture of multiple shields side by side that we were, uh, that we were standing together in the midst of this broken world, resisting the devil, right? That we were uh, seeing these fiery darts that are, are thrown at us, the temptations, the struggles, all these things that the shield of faith that we have is quenching those things, quenching those fiery darts. And then we saw things shift, right? That we were to take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, the rhema, the spoken word of God, the gospel, the declaration of the goodness and greatness of our God. And it becomes a weapon on, uh, in uh, this mission that we're in, that this offensive weapon that we not only uh, find the truth of God's word, that it uh, helps us to stand in the midst of this battle, but we find the gospel that we proclaim in the way that it impacts this world as we are obedient 
to Christ. You know, as we began this series, we looked at the book of Ecclesiastes and we said that everything under the sun, right? We read the words in Ecclesiastes, meaningless, meaningless, or vanity, vanity. And there was this thought that apart from Christ and apart from relationship with God, everything in this world is meaningless. But we landed in this place and then we said that in Christ, everything has meaning, that there is purpose in the midst of this world. And in Isaiah 43, verse seven, we see these words, everyone who is called by my name and whom I've created for my glory, whom I've formed, even whom I've made. And we recognizing we declare that God has created us on purpose for a purpose and that he has saved us uh, for a purpose in the midst of this life, right? And that we, as we are obedient to him, that we bring him glory. And I want to declare to you today that we bring God the most glory as we share his gospel, as we engage in the mission of Christ. Jesus said he came to seek and save that which was lost. And as we are obedient to Christ, we read in Acts 1.8, he said, but you will receive power. The last words of Jesus, he said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and to Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. He said, this is who you are. And so we're going to talk today about some of those things, right? God is glorified. A seminary professor of mine said this in a way that I loved. He said, God is glorified as we lead others to also become God glorifies as we, as the church makes disciples that we glorify God. And as we make disciples and equip others to share the good news of Jesus, that we glorify God in that way, maybe greater than any other way. You know, there's a lot of people that we say, you know, what does it look like to thrive? And you might think about what does it look like to thrive in the wild? What does it look like to thrive in the place that God has you right now. You know, I look out in this audience and I see small business owners and I see people that work in uh, different service aspects. I see police officers and, and people that are teachers and people that do all kinds of different things, human resource officers. I see all these people, right? Financial planners, construction workers. I, I look around and I see this plethora of people that God has assembled together. And so what does it look like to thrive in the midst of the wild that God has placed you in? Managers, teachers, professionals, all of these different kind of people. And by the way, it's only in the body of Christ where all walks of life and all people and all races and all people come together unified around the mission of Christ. And we come together in unity, united by the blood of Christ. And it's a beautiful thing when the body of Christ functions in that Way. Many of you know that for many years I worked uh, for Lowe's and there was a season of my life where I graduated from college with a management degree and I said, hey, you know what? Uh, I'm already in a spot here where I can be a district manager. I can be a store manager very quickly. I can do these kind of things. And so I began to pursue that type of career. And then all of a sudden something happened in my life that flipped my whole world upside down. On December 27th of 2002, I heard the message of the gospel. And for the first time in my life, I recognized the gravity of my sin and that I was separated from a holy God, but that God loved me and in his mercy that he was calling me to himself. And, and I, I trusted and believed 
believed the gospel and surrendered my life to Jesus. And then all of a sudden, the things of this world, right? I decided that I would pursue all these things. And in pursuit of those things, I hoped that I would find fulfillment. In pursuit of those things, I thought that I would find joy. And I thought that I would find all of those things. But what I recognized that there is no fulfillment in any of those things. And so as I began to pray and seek the Lord, I ended up stepping down. It was kind of one of those crazy things, right? From the world's perspective, because you take a pay cut and you do different things so that you can be in church and so that you can be with your family and so that things can happen. And all of a sudden, what would have seemed to be a much more mundane job with less people that I was responsible for. And and really uh, the main part of my job in that time uh, was to uh, handle the receiving and freight flow kind of operation in uh, work. And so in the midst of that, though, it would seem like that's a mundane job, right? We unload trucks and we distribute things. And originally I had this thought that I'm going to do all these things and I'm going to make all this money and I'm going to do all of these things. But all of a sudden, in the midst of that, when I came to faith in Jesus Christ, everything had purpose. Everything was different. And so while I was not in what the world would say is successful or what the world might declare was good, all of a sudden, there were people that God was sending to that store every day, right? Truck drivers that would come in. And some of them in the midst of difficult times, in the midst of hard situations, you know, in the midst of of all kinds of things. This morning in the early service, I uh, saw in between that uh, the, the forklift repair guy was watching our online service. I saw people that I was around that God had placed me in the midst of a mission field. And what happens when we understand that our purpose is not to attain things in this world, our purpose is not uh, simply to find fulfillment in our work or in relationships or anything, but when our purpose is in Christ, all of a sudden, everything changed. And what may seem mundane in your life right now, your classroom that you're in, the English class that you don't like, the math class that you're thinking, I am not a fan of all these things. I want you to know that God has placed you in those places on mission for the glory of his name. And he's put people around you that you have a message to declare. And and what I saw was marriages impacted. I saw coworkers, children come to Christ. I had coworkers that I was able to baptize things that were beautiful in the midst of that. I had the blessing of handing out testimony CDs to hundreds, if not thousands of truck drivers to share the gospel repeatedly with people that were coming into that place because of no other reason that they had to do business there. And all of a sudden, the mundane became missional. And so I want you to think about that. And we see people like Spurgeon and C.S. Lewis that would declare the way that we glorify God most is when we're obedient to his command in sharing the good news of the gospel. The apostle Paul would tell us that God's glory through the salvation of others should be the driving force and motivation behind everything that we do as followers of Jesus Christ. And so whatever position and place that God has prepared you and put you in, I want you to see it as the mission field that God has for you. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 10, we read that a lot of times around Labor Day, and we read these words, right? Whatever you do, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. We think about working as if we're working for the Lord. Verse 32, though, of that chapter, Paul says, give no offense either to the Jews or Greeks or to the church of God, just as I also please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of the many, so that they may be saved. Hear this today, the real message, the real business of life, right, is reaching others with the message of the gospel. The purpose and plan that God has for you involves that if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, and it is in that that you'll find joy. It is in that that you'll find purpose. Did you know that even uh, as a pastor, you if you look at 
just the, the statistics that are around. There are pastors that are uh, falling left and right. There are pastors that are leaving the ministry. And I want to tell you sometimes that we can get so bound up in the business of the church that we forget the business of the Father and that there's no margin and there's no purpose. Right? We, we've got to be, I've got to be out in the midst of this world declaring and sharing the good news of the gospel or I will find no joy and no purpose even in doing things for uh, God in if I'm not proclaiming and engaging in the mission of Christ, and we find joy. And so we're here, and we want to encourage you. If you've got one of these handouts, I want to encourage you to take that. There should be those all around you. There should be pens. I want you to take that. We're going to be interactive this morning. Pastor Chris and I are going to team up on this. We introduced some of these thoughts last week. But if we are going to thrive, and I believe God has called his church to thrive, we've got to understand that my role, that Pastor Chris's role, that one of the primary things that we do, we proclaim the word of God, but we are to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And congratulations if you have thought that maybe uh, your role is to come in and be a spectator and listen to me ramble. And you'd think, you know what? That's not very fulfilling in the Christian life. And by the way, that'll never get you from Sunday to Sunday. That'll never uh, get you uh, in the place that God wants you to be. But if you'll embrace the mission of Christ, in your life. And you'll say, you know what? I recognize that there's no retirement uh, in Jesus' name, right? If you've got more time on your hands than you used to have, then you have a whole new mission uh, field. Uh, we are here on mission together, right, to declare his goodness to a world desperately in need of the gospel. So why do we do this? We read in Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20, and we're familiar with this passage, and you'll see some underlined words. And Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, all authority, right, from life's first breath, first breath to final cry, right, to, to final, life's first cry to final breath, right, Jesus commands my destiny, all authority, right, do, do we believe that, right, that all authority, that Jesus has all authority in this world, that he has all authority in our lives. It says he has been given to me in heaven and on earth, go, so we see this imperative, right, that we're to go. It's in the aorist tense, which gives us this picture of as we're going even, that there's this thought that we would engage in the mission of Christ wherever we are at. But then it also gives us this reality that it's not only in the workplaces and the, the people that God has placed around us, but he says that all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples. And so there's this command that we would make disciples, which begins in evangelism, right? The very first step of being a disciple is being born again, right? The scripture says uh, that, that we are born from above, that we are born again, right? And so there's this thought that we share the gospel and we present the good news and people have the ability, right? People have uh, the ability to respond to the good news of the gospel, to the proclaimed word of God, and they respond in surrender. They become believers. And then our responsibility is that we might equip them, that we might disciple them. And, and who is it that we would do? It says all the nations, right? Not just uh, this thought of those people that are around, but into the ends of the earth, right? All the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Baptism is not the finish line. So if you've placed your faith and trust in Christ and you've been baptized and you say, you know what, I'm good, that's all there is for me, that's not the finish line for you and it's not the finish line for us as followers of Jesus Christ. We're to teach them to observe all that I've commanded you. So there's this reality that we're to disciple others and teach them what it looks like to follow Jesus, what it looks like to obey Christ. And by the way, if you look at these things and you say, you know what, I'm just not willing to be obedient, then the reality is that in order for you to be a, a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, we surrender to him as Lord, and he's in charge and not us. And we, our reflection of our love for him is in our obedience to him. He said, if you obey me, he said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments, right? So there's a direct reflection there. And sometimes our obedience is a heart issue. Maybe all the time our 
Obedience is a heart issue or lack there. Uh, so he says, listen, we have this promise that if we do that, he'll be with us even to the ends of the earth. So I want to ask you, do you believe that? You'll see a little blank on your page that says, do you believe? And, and I want to ask you some more specific things, right? Do you believe that Jesus commanded us to do that? Do you believe that your life is under his authority? Do you believe that he has commanded you to go? Maybe even more specific, are you willing to surrender all authority in your life to Jesus? Are you willing to tell others about Jesus? Are you willing to make disciples? Maybe here's a tough one. Are you willing to go to all nations if that's where God calls you? You know, Maitland shared just a beautiful uh, testimony last week of God's work in Africa, and she said, I want to approach God with my hands wide open. God, whatever it is you want me to do, Lord, I'm here. Are we willing to teach others to obey the commands of Christ? And if we say, yeah, I'm willing to do those things, do we really believe that if we'll go and if we'll share that Jesus will be with us, that he is with us in those moments? And just write yes or no. I, I believe might be the words you want to you write there. You might want to write, I surrender, right? You might want to write whatever those things are. And maybe if you're saying, you know what, I'm not ready to answer that. Are you willing to just study what God's word says about this topic? Are you willing just to lean in and see what he says about this? The lower part says why, your identity, right? This is who we are, 2 Corinthians 5. And we're not going to read all the verses today just for the sake of time. But 2 Corinthians 5, we looked at these last week. Verse 17 says, if anyone is in Christ, that he's a new creature. I want you to write the word new in the blank there below. You'll Just write the word new. And so if you're in Christ, you are a new creation, right? Old things are passed away, and behold, all things become new. Verse 20, verse 20 says that we are ambassadors for Christ. We saw Paul in Ephesians 6. He said, I am an ambassador in chains. He said, I want you to pray for me for boldness to proclaim the gospel for, for which I am an ambassador in chains. This is who we are. We are his representatives. He is our authority. We are on mission with him. You'll see the little drawing on the bottom, you'll see the new. You can draw a person that's new. So if you're in Christ, you can draw a little stick figure. Uh, that's me. He doesn't have any hair. And if you want to put hair on yours, you can. It's up to you, All right? But, but we're new, so we're a new creation, and we're an ambassador for Christ, so we draw the world there. Now, the question is next, who do we share this message with? And I want to spend just a minute here, and I'm going to turn this over to Pastor Chris. But if you remember from last week, we used the word oikos, which or oikos, which is a uh, word for household in the Greek. And today I want to encourage you to think of who those people are that God has placed in your life, those far from God relationships. And so you'll see uh, in your handout, you'll see a circle in the middle and you can write your name there. And then I want you to think about your friends. Everybody say, I got some friends. Friends, I got some friends. Yeah, I got some friends. All right, so those friends, right? Those, uh, those people that God has placed in our life, we're gonna look at those people. The first ones are friends. So you can write the word friend uh, there. The F is for friend, so we got friends. All right, who are some friends that are in your life that are far from God relationships? It might be people that you grew up with. It might be people that you went to high school with. It might be people that you uh, think of when that comes to mind, right? At least a person now, maybe a couple of people. Who are those people that are friends that are in your life, or relatives, right? Everybody got some relatives. And you can go to a family reunion and find that you got some relatives that are far from God, okay? 
All right, we all see those kind of things. Who are some relatives? Who are some people in your lives, right? If you're a parent and all your kids have not uh, surrendered their life to Christ, right? I mean, those are people in your life, right? Who are people in your life that are far from God relationships that God has uh, for you, these relatives that are in your life? We think about the A, the letter A, associates. Who are people that maybe you work with, people that you uh, encounter? Maybe they're people that you deal with in your business, and maybe relationships that, uh, that are connected in that way. Write down some people that are associates in your life. The N for neighbors, okay? So some people say, I mean, I don't know anybody really to share. Maybe you don't know who your neighbors are. Maybe you just have to write like White House guy at the bottom of the hill, right? Whatever those people are, right? And, and you need to engage in learning who those people are. But who are my neighbors? Who are people that God has geographically placed around me? And write the names of some of those people that are far from God. Last, the S, right? Strangers, people that God may desire for you to share the gospel with that you're going to encounter in a lunch setting, in a, maybe a server at a restaurant. Could be just strangers around. But if you'll pray and say, God, I pray that you'll give me opportunities to share the gospel. And then we want to encourage you to make a map. So you've got your name here, and then you might put in a friend here, another friend here. You've got a coworker over here. You've got a relative here. You've maybe got a son or a parent or whatever, and then you can continue to look at other people that are in their lives. You could kind of paint a, a map that says, you know what, if this person came to Christ, if Dave came to Christ, then his son Jim and, and his daughter Christy would hear the gospel, and, and they are on the football team, and the football team has these many people, and, the, and, and this person is involved here, and you can see that the, the design of the gospel spread is through multiplication of one person sharing the gospel with another person, equipping them to continue to share the gospel. And so the question comes, hey, we know that we are to share. We know that there are people that we are to share with, but the question is, what do we share? And I'm going to invite Pastor Chris to come and share with us uh, this next part. And we're going to encourage you to be involved. This is going to be a participatory day. You've been writing a little bit. We're going to encourage you to continue to do that. So Pastor Chris, you... right. How are y'all? Good. So what do we share? Um, We're praying for people. We we know that there are people in our uh, area of influence that God has placed in our lives, and what do we share? The first thing that um, we're going to share is our testimony. And so you're going to see here um, on, I guess it would be page three, the what. And the first thing that we want to look at... um, after an intro, right, so we have an example of one here. There was a time in my life. Um, we're going to look at who we are before Christ, what Christ has done for us, and now who we are in Christ. Um, I've had this uh, opportunity to share this with many of our students, and there's times where our students, they cannot write a story. And if you can't write a story, I want you to, um, you know, pray that God would reveal that to you. If you can't write a story, then maybe your story needs a beginning. Maybe you just haven't started your story. So uh, um, we're going to do this. And now the design for uh, capturing our story is just to do it for 15 or 30 seconds, to share your story in 15 or 30 seconds. You're like, there's no way I can do that. Yes, you can. You can do it. Um, I'm going to give you an example. There's a time in my life when I was addicted to the acceptance of others. And I was angry and I was in, uh, I would say, religion. Until I understood the grace and the forgiveness and the love of Jesus Christ. And now I have purpose. 
and I have joy and I have peace in my life. Do you have a story like that? That's, that's the heart and that's the goal of sharing a 15, 30-second testimony is that we get to ask, do you have a story like that? We want to make it. We want to highlight um, Jesus Christ. We want to highlight that by who we were before Christ, what Christ has done for us, and now who we are in Christ. And the heart is to ask, do you have a story like that? We want to engage in gospel conversation. So the first, just a couple things, right, that we want to do in the first line here after your intro on your piece of paper is who you were before Christ. I'm going to put angry, and I'm going to put religious. Spelling does not count, okay? But we're going to, maybe, maybe it's good enough, close enough. So angry, so write down there um, who you were before Christ. This is the best part, but God, right? But Jesus, what did he do? What, what was revealed to you in the gospel of Jesus Christ that really stands out here? We want to highlight the work of God through Jesus Christ, right? But I understood of his love and forgiveness. And it might, these might be different words for you. So write those down. And then next, now who are you in Christ? What has Christ done for you? What has he given you? Peace and purpose. Joy, mission. What, is that? what, are, what are the words for you that describe your story? All right, so now here's where the fun begins. You get to share your 15, 30-second testimony. We're going to do maybe two or three right now in church. We get to, to celebrate what God has done in your life. So who of you, which one here, and I will wait awkwardly. I'm in student ministry, so that's okay. We have a lot of awkward moments. But I'm going to wait, um, and we're going to look for a couple of y'all to share your testimony. Thank you. Hello, my name's Ernie. This thing working? Is it working? My name's... Woo! Okay, let's try this again. My name's Ernie. Um, I grew up in church. I tell people I was going to nine months uh, to church before I was born. 11 years old, I was at a revival, and... Um, didn't listen to the evangelist preacher. Um, at the end of it, we walked down. Old preacher Stevens asked me a couple of questions. And uh, next thing I knew, the church was voting whether I was saved or not. Folks, I had it in my head, but it wasn't in my heart. Um, I can say that I, was, I lived a hypocritical life after that because I'd, I could go to church, and I was on the youth committee, everything, and I could talk to you about the Bible. During the week, I lived a life of the world. Went to college, uh, got away from it because nobody knew me. Met a young lady. She was a Christian. So I started playing the Christian again. Uh, we got married, got away from it again. We moved to a suburb, South Carolina. Went to a church there. 
and I saw things that I'd never seen in churches before. Uh, they brought a lady in. Her name was Miss Bertha Smith. She was a missionary for um, 42 years in China. She led a Bible study. She had to start a, a sin list. So I'd go into work early. And, folks, I was still relying on those people who voted on me saying I was saved. But I started making that sin list, and I, I wrote a book. One morning I went in, I read my scripture, um, tried to pray, and it was like it was hitting the ceiling and coming back down. And it was that point that I realized that I was lost, and I asked Jesus to come into my life. Folks, in this world, I don't know how anybody cannot survive and not have Jesus in their life. He's there. He gives you comfort, even in the bad times. So don't let your head hurt your heart. Make sure it's in your heart, too, because I'm not, I'm not the only one that's ever gone through something like this. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? There was a time in my life where I was lost and afraid, and then I met Jesus and was forgiven and freed, and now I feel conf confident and secure um, in my walk with God to reach others. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. One more? Yeah. I was at Lowe's. This thing doesn't work. I was at Lowe's. This is before the children's room was uh, built. I was with Jason. We were praying together. I went back to get the compactor, and uh, he came to me. He changed me forever. He said, I want you to go to one of my houses and glorify me and go to, go to a Sunday school to learn my word. And I've devoutly ever since been doing that. I really thank God. He has changed me from partying into somebody that, that loves God. And I, I thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much. So I, I want to challenge you to continue to work on that, um, to continue to work on your testimony and communicating that within your family, uh, with neighbors, with strangers, um, and everywhere in between. And so the second part of what are we going to share is our uh, gospel three circles. So we've seen this before. Um, this is my go-to, just my preference, but we also have in here the bridge, but I like to start out in brokenness. I think it's one of the easiest um, circles to start out in. We see it everywhere. Um, almost every conversation that we have with somebody, you can find an element of brokenness in there. We look all throughout this world in our own lives and we see brokenness. And inside of brokenness, a lot of people try to escape brokenness by being just, I mean, a good person, being religious, going to church, and trying to do the right thing. Some people enter into relationships to be satisfied and fulfilled, finding that special somebody or being in that right relationship to leave brokenness. And some people run to different drugs or alcohol, partying, All sorts of things we run to in this world to escape brokenness. But the reality is when we run to the things of this world, when we run to ourself, when we run to our relationships or to drugs and alcohol, whatever we run to, 
outside of God, it just acts like a bungee cord and it flings us back into brokenness and deeper and deeper into brokenness. And that sounds like a lot of bad news. And it is. But it wasn't always that way. In the beginning, God's beautiful design, there was no brokenness. It was perfect, without sin, and it was amazing. But from the very beginning, from our first parents, Adam and Eve, sin entered the world. When we decided to do things the way we want to do it on our own terms and go against God's design. And anytime we go against God's design and God's promises and God's order and God's commands, that is sin. And sin causes brokenness. But God is so good. His mercy is so good that he doesn't leave us in brokenness. But yet what he does is he enters into our brokenness. Jesus Christ entered our brokenness with his eyes focused on the cross. In obedience to God the Father, God the Son leaves heaven. He lives a sinless life. All the while focusing on a cross, focusing on the cross to die a death in our place, to demonstrate the love of God by dying in our place. He lived a sinless, perfect life to be the perfect sacrifice to satisfy the wrath of God. Someone had to be punished. And God sent his son to take on the punishment we deserve. And so Jesus leaves heaven. He dies a death we deserve, but he doesn't stay dead. He rises from the grave, giving us victory over sin and over death. And this is the good news of Jesus Christ. And the scripture says that if we were to, to trust Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, to turn from our sins and our way of life in surrenderance to him, right, that Jesus Christ can make us new that we can grow in our relationship with God. We can be back. We can be reconciled to God the Father through God the Son. And Jesus Christ, as our Lord and Savior, right, he commands us to go, to go back into brokenness and to share the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ, to share the love of God through Jesus Christ. And so this is our most important circle is Jesus Christ. And this is the one that we want to highlight we want, we, want them, we want people to understand it is only by faith, right? Trusting and believing in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Turning from our old ways, surrendering to him as Lord only through Jesus. There's no other name, right, that we could be saved but Jesus. And we get to grow in relationship and in intimacy with God the Father. And we get to go with boldness into darkness. And now a great question to ask here is there's two types of people. There's A, people that are in God's design. People who, who have turned, right, with all of their hearts surrendering. It's a heart condition, right? Ernie talked about that, that we turn and trusting in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. There's those and there's B, those that are in brokenness, right, that are trying to escape brokenness by religion, by, by being good, uh, trying to be good, right, that are, that are looking for fulfillment and satisfaction in life and money and, and fame and popularity and status but yet still find themselves in brokenness because those things will never fulfill or satisfy us completely. And so the question is, where do you find yourself? 
We can only be in one of the two of the circles. We can only be in brokenness as somebody separated from God, or we can be in God's design, commanded, right, and going into brokenness through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, this isn't something that you just drift towards. This isn't something that you're just, like, all of a sudden just going to, you know, memorize this just overnight. This is something that we have to practice. This is something that we can't allow the good news to become old news. It becomes stale and stagnant in our hearts. This is a message of, of hope for the believer and the unbeliever. And so this is something that we should always be prepared for, right? 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, right? Sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that you have, and yet do it with gentleness and reverence. Do people look at you and like, I want that. Do people look at you and see something different? And are you prepared to share the hope of Jesus Christ to this world? And another amazing truth is that you don't have to do it alone. When we look through scripture, right, Jesus had his disciples, and then he sent them off in pairs and said, hey, you two, go, you two, go. And there's strength, right? We are truly better together. And when we get to do this together, we get to do this as a church, as a family. But we, you won't just drift towards that. It won't just happen, right? But you, we have to be intentional. We have to work towards that. And, and that's, the, that's the, this, this last part here. When? When do we do it? So we need to be intentional. We need to set goals. We need to... The first one, when are you going to pray? For your Oikos map, however you say that. When are you going to pray for those people that you know that are in your life that have never heard the gospel or, or who are far from God and in brokenness? When are you going to pray for them? Where are you going to place those sticky notes to remind you to pray every day for this individual or for that individual? You start with one, one person. Pray and pray and pray and put sticky notes here and there and, and have a specific time that you will daily petition, bring their name to the throne room of grace of God and see what God will do with that, how God will honor those prayers. then when will you intentionally share the gospel? Who is it on, on your map that you know you're going to have lunch with them? Or you will specifically schedule lunch so you can share the gospel with them? Or who, who do you spend most time with on your map? Or name one person that you can share the gospel with this week. And a specific time that you will share that with them. And then who else will you train in the 411 gospel evangelism tool? So this is called 411 gospel evangelism tool. Um, This is not something we just made up, but it's out there. And you guys can hear from 
probably some better communicators than myself <laughs> of how to share it and be equipped to share it, but who will you share this with? Because the reality is, is that if we are not intentional, right, and we're, we're not looking to equip somebody else, we're going to forget it. And I believe it's 95% of the things that you do, not just do, but that you teach and equip somebody else to know and to learn, that you will retain that information. So as we are equipping and training others in this 411 training, right, you will continue to have this fresh on your heart and fresh on your mind and ready to share and ready to speak and do and live the word of God, right? James 1 tells us about this. But prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and has gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. We must be not just hearers of the word, but doers of the word. And so who? Who are you going to train? Who's, who's in your area? Who's in your life? Parents, your students, you are the main disciple maker, not me. You have them a whole lot longer than I do. I have the blessing to be a part of their lives some one, two, three, four, five hours a week. You have them a lot more. So we, we have been doing this on Wednesday nights. We've been equipping them, but we need you to equip them as well. And to reiterate this. And we do this because we're prone to forget. If we, if we don't, if we're not active in our faith, right, we become stale and stagnant. And it's not thriving. It's not bearing fruit. It's not something that we just drift towards. But it's something that we work at. And if you answered yes at the beginning, and you truly mean that with all your heart, then we surrender all to follow Christ. Christ is central of our life, of our family, of, of, of where he's placed us, our workplace, we live that out for his glory and for our good. So now we're going to enter into a time of invitation. The band's going to come. My question is, where do you start? Who, who will you start with praying for? Maybe today God has placed somebody specifically on your heart and that you today can start praying for that individual. Sharing the gospel for open doors, Paul, Paul asked, if he, he asked to pray for, those, for others to pray for him so that the gospel would be made known and it can go forth. Then who will we train? I'm going to ask you to stand. We're going to have a time of response. And maybe, maybe it is that you're not sure where you stand with God. Let's be obedient.